Hey everyone, I'm Rotimi Akinshete and I have a confession to make and well, what better place to do that than at church. I'm here on false pretenses because I'm here to talk to you today not about George Herbert but to give my daughter Aaliyah, who will no doubt be listening in, a tiny history lesson about how words and phrases and situations can have a lasting impact. I choose George Herbert to help me to tell my story because some of his words had an impact on me. So, anyway, this is a letter to my daughter. So, Aaliyah, some of this you will know and some of it you won't. Obviously, you're aware that I was born in Paddington, West London, to Nigerian parents. Your grandparents were young and courageous and they had taken a huge leap of faith when they decided to move to England, the so-called home of their colonial masters the land of milk and honey, where the streets were supposedly paved with gold. Those dreams were soon dashed and culminated in my mum walking out on my dad when she was pregnant with my younger brother, your uncle. Their relationship ended suddenly because she could no longer endure the domestic violence that she was a victim of. I imagine it took even greater courage to walk away. So we moved to Battersea, South London, where I went to primary and then secondary school. I continually wished away the challenges of living in a poor, lone parent family in the 70s by either playing or talking about the lovely game, football. Looking back, I should have supported the local football team, Chelsea FC. Stamford Bridge was only a few miles away from school over the River Thames, but I distinctly remember some of the Chelsea boys at school being ardently racist. So I wasn't going anywhere near that team. No chance with West Ham either. Their fans were worse than Chelsea. Or Arsenal. My brother supported them and I wasn't going to share a team with him. Queen's Park Rangers came close because I once received an end of year award from their then goalkeeper Phil Parks. But instead, I went with Tottenham Hotspur. Mainly because they seemed to be the only London team at the time that weren't out and out racists. Maybe something to do with a large following of Jewish supporters at the time who were still themselves battling against racism and fascism, it seemed. I didn't dare think of attending any football game at that time. Photos and film footage of hooligans needlessly battling it out with each other really frightened me. I always thought that being black, I would be very easily targeted. Growing up, I was a bit of a wimp, a goody two-shoes, not doing anything to upset my mother, a lone parent of four, of, of four, struggling to make ends meet. She had enough on her plate. So I stayed away from the in crowd, not partaking in the offer of drugs, alcohol or gambling, all of which my mum had said made my dad a bad person. There were plenty of opportunities for me to go that way. Instead, I went to school every single day, then came back straight home to help out with shopping, washing, looking after my siblings and not making a fuss. I also started attending my local church on my own, which acted more as a place of solace to me than anything else. Anyway, in my early 20s, I eventually moved out and to North London for work. This felt like the most exciting, riskiest thing I had ever done in my life. And I played hard, partied hard and played political revolutionary over a few years to make up for what I thought I had lost in childhood. It was exhilarating. 
It soon paid off because it wasn't that much later when I met and moved in with my then girlfriend and now wife and your mother, Zalika. We got married here at St. Luke's and as you know, we recently celebrated our 20th anniversary. Yay! And then we moved to East London where you were born. Although we now live in Surrey, I still very much feel like a Londoner. Anyway, to get back to what I'm here to teach you of. When I was looking for a career change, I took up a part-time course to train as a therapeutic counsellor. A condition of that course was that I accrue 200 hours or so volunteering as a practitioner, so every Saturday I spent a few hours utilising my newly developed skills and techniques on an unsuspecting and diverse caseload of mainly poor working class clients who lived in and around a large housing estate in Waterloo. They had a truckload of problems, from child abuse to self-harm, from schizophrenia to suicidal ideation. These stories were sometimes the hardest thing for me to hear as a counsellor. Often, after I'd finished my shift, I would spend an hour or so in the local bookshop to help wind down. I would then grab a sandwich and take a short walk before heading home on the tube. On one such walk, I came across St John's Church, virtually opposite Waterloo Station and situated on the south side of Waterloo Bridge. For your information, did you know that for 1600 years, London Bridge was the city's only bridge? I didn't. Westminster became its second in 1750. Waterloo Bridge, along with Vauxhall, Blackfriars and Southwark, was initiated during the Laponionic Wars. I think you learned about these wars at school last year, right? Anyway, originally named the Strand Bridge, Waterloo Bridge was renamed upon its um, opening in 1817 to celebrate Wellington's victory. The bridge's purpose was to open up Lambeth marshes to ease the crowded city. The new population needed a church and St John's was promptly constructed. Opening in 1882, and the area itself soon became densely populated and in 1877, through the social reformer Octavia Hill, the churchyard of St John's was converted into a public park. Now, here's a really important bit. Hill chose the words of 17th century Anglican priest and poet George Herbert for a mosaic frieze on the church, and this said, All may have, if they dare try, a glorious life or grave. I saw these words for the first time when I decided to sit on that park bench in that churchyard after a particularly difficult um, shift at the counselling centre. Now, Aaliyah, you may ask, why might his words resonate more than the black heroes you always hear me going on about at home? My always quoted heroes, like Kwame Nkrumah, the first president of the first post-colonial African independent state, Ghana, who stated, action without thought is empty, thought without action is blind. Or what about the words of black nationalist, Malcolm X? I'm always going on about him, and he once said, nobody can give you freedom, nobody can give you equality or justice or anything. If you are a man, you take it. Or Dr. Martin Luther King, who said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Or what about one of my recent heroes, Obama? 
President Brahma said, change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we have been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Or, of course, Jesus Christ who said, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, find. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You will know, Elia, that I've referred to these quotes and those heroes and others tirelessly and tiresomely on many occasions over the years, mainly because I didn't want you to get lost in a world of whitewashed nonsense, as futile as that might seem. But here I am now, today, reminding myself and telling you, my daughter, of another set of words that are different but the same, whilst at the same time being the same but different. Now, now you know that I can talk a lot of nonsense a lot of the time, and right now I can't really explain property, properly what it is I experienced when I first looked up and saw those words at the top of the church. But let me put it this way. I am reminded of what a fellow Spurs fan said. Yes, I know, you've always thought that was football crazy. This fellow Spurs fan was asked to explain the Spurs motto, Odere est facere. I think that is the correct Latin pronunciation. He said, it basically means that you need to believe in what you want to achieve and put that belief into action. It may be unprecedented and unaccustomed, but if you dare to achieve, then strive for it. It is okay if you do not make it, but only those who dare to try make it. To dare is to do. Now you know I love jazz music, so let me apologise now for me and your mum dragging you to all those jazz festivals over the year. But I do have to end with the earlier words of Kurt Elling. He says in his song, Resolution, I'm the one who will say, use the will every day or go mad trying. Go to war against the impotent side of living. Use every power you are given to stand and act like a man and pray every day to every God. Strike the bowl of heaven and the ringing will become law. Build bridges where you need to go. Bring the fire of enlightenment here to life below. Speak mercy to the things you meet. Listen up to the hear the whispering of the blood you bleed. Stay awake. No mistake. Dance the dream awake and awake. <laughs>